Hey folks, welcome to a very extra special uh, little instalment of the podcast. Um, as always, I'm Wayne and I've got a, a cadre of people sitting around me um, and returning, very long time returning to the podcast, we have Mr. Troy Baker. Mr. Troy Baker, if you're nasty. How long has it been? <laughs> Four uh, years? To 2014? That's five years. Five, 15? Was it 15? Yeah. So four years. Four years. Four years. So, yeah. Yeah, still sooner than a Star Wars prequel or sequel. So it's all good. I love that Elbow is playing right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, so welcome. You're back in Dublin for another show. I am. And we just happened to be at this particular show, so we decided to grab you for a pint and a quick chat. And thank you for sitting Always, down with us. Always, dude. Yeah. This is what... If you know me, man... This is what I'm into. This is my hang. Yeah. I'm always down for the conversation, especially because I get to talk about our kids. Which <laughs> yeah. I, it, it blows my mind that I'm that guy, and I'm like, I just want to talk about my son. <laughs> and not only him, but also how that's changed me as a person and how it's changed me as a man. Yeah. Which I feel our culture right now has had a um, an audit of what it means to be a man. Um, and I say audit because it's not a revolution. Because th- these are the rules that should have always been in place. Yeah. It's just now going, okay, so according to this standard, how, how do you check out? Um, and raising a boy in today's society is, is, uh, requires more attention than it did before. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. I, sorry, to, I, I can hear you already. <laughs> about a rebuttal no 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 um, not at all I don't know how it was for you but for me growing up it was um, I believe that our previous generation has some responsibility for even the whole Me Too movement and just the way that uh, there, there's a mindset the masculine mindset right now um in, in a lot of ways, it's our mothers that proliferated this in some way because if I got in trouble, what I was told by my mom was, wait until your father gets home. Yeah. 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 Oh, so dad's the authority. No. I looked at Pam. My, I don't know what your birth experience was like. My wife was in labor for 40 hours. Active labor. Yeah, my wife was Wonder Woman. Literally Wonder Woman. No drugs. Yeah. At home. Just, I, we are the weaker sex by far. I get a boo-boo hangnail, and I'm crying about it for three days. <laughs> she dealt with someone, and it was back labor too, which means normal, normal, quote, whatever that means, labor is contraction, 60 seconds release, oof. And that sucks for 12, 18, 24 hours, whatever. 40 hours of no break. It's just your entire body in a vice yeah For, my wife didn't eat sleep barely drank um not she wasn't getting drunk yeah <laughs> uh, she just get some whiskey get some whiskey and TBR right for, for two days and she only said she only spoke to me once um and it was on the second day it was like four o'clock in the morning and I had walked out and I walked back into our bedroom where she was and she was like posted up on the window. She was like leaning over on the ledge. And she, I, I just made a coffee. 
she looks up and she goes, you made coffee? And I went, I'm throwing it away right now. It's a stupid thing to do at four o'clock in the morning. We're all dog ass tired. But the notion that women were not an equal authority figure and just as capable as our fathers uh, of disciplining or governing a house, yeah. I look back now and go, I, I defer to Pam all the time. As a mom, I'm like, well, I'm gonna trust your instincts, what do you think? And I have to fight that notion of if she's correcting Traveler and going, uh-uh, I don't want you to touch that. I'll be going to listen to your mother. Like, I need to come over the top and actually validate her, and so I don't, I just sit back and I'm just like, Dude, you're on, your mom is 100% <laughs> we are equal parenting. And I feel that's a, that is in some way contributed to the way that males look at women in our culture right now is not in an authoritative position. Hmm. Um, and I feel it's the responsibility of, quote, my generation endowing upon... Um, our future generation in this current generation of going no um, women by far we should be we should be following in a lot of cases them well we I think I, I know me and for my my, my wife Irene is uh, very much uh, a strong you know strong woman but we're like as a group for us I think Jill guides us a lot in everything we do so she's our yeah, strong woman said, the she's the editor I'm like she's great she's the editor yeah she keeps her, she keeps us in there and in, in spelling mistakes and there's a thing called crossbar eyes in comic books and once you're working in comic books you know what they are and they are the bane of my existence at the moment because Jill's eagle eye has spotted them. But um, have you found so with this thing yourself and Nolan North and now you're 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 a duo yeah. as far as like your your online presence is concerned with retro replay. Um, it seems to have blown up over the last year. Were you expecting it? to go the way it has gone? No. Oh my God. Definitely not the way that it's gone. Um, both good and bad. Not, not good and bad. That's, that's an that's a, uh, improper framing of it. You realize very quickly, you're like, hey, the internet is going to be so happy that we're finally doing something on it. And then what you realize is that you don't really want the... Jablinski games response. Sure. You don't want four million people immediately going, oh my God. <coughs> and this is what we're constantly hearing from people is that our quality of viewer is highest. Like our, we we'll 1,200 people in that live chat on Thursday and you can compare that to whomever you want. And it's like, well, those are low numbers. I'm like, look at our chat. These aren't people that are just there, there's life, there's conversations, there's community that's happening inside yeah. of that. Um, our quality of viewer is so high. Uh, Sean McLaughlin, who's a uh, jacksepticeye, he's become a dear friend through this, is someone who taught me. He went to bed one night, and I may be misquoting him, but it's the principle that matters. He went to bed one night, and he had like 5,000 subscribers. And then PewDiePie came along just happened to like like uh, in Gladiator he goes he pointed to me and 50,000 subscribers overnight yeah and then it was a million and then now it's a 25 million or whatever he's at and he goes all I really still think about is those 5,000 I focus on those 5,000 well, you, you guys do it with the, the, the 500 we have our founding 500 
that's all that we're playing to, yeah. founding 500. Which does not mean that the people that, now we're now up to 150,000, it's not that we are not thinking about them or playing to them or considering them, it's just, I don't know how to talk to 150,000 people. Don't think anyone does. I can talk to 500, and I can look at 500 faces. I've done that before. Yeah. Whether it be as a musician or, or at a convention like we were doing today, there was probably 150, 200 people whatever in that room. Yeah. I can, that, that's manageable. I can look at someone in the eye. And that's what this is all about. It's about building a community of people that if I can impart something, teach something, or encourage somebody in a certain way, and that goes, okay, can, can, can you go do that to somebody else? Because if you can go do that to somebody else, then you can maybe reach 150,000 people. It's, yeah. it's the whole, and then so on. Well, we're, we're like, we, we've, over the last two years for ourselves, we've built Rogue Comics. Uh, our label in Ireland, and it's uh, it's now the largest, the uh, largest independent publishing label for comics in Ireland. And we've built, we're trying, we've tried to build a platform for people to come to, to learn how to make comics. And we have people approach us at every convention, saying like, I'd like to make a comic. How do I go about doing? It? Oh man! And we've God. helped people get there. Yeah. We have, like, it's what we've done over the last two years. Oh. Yeah, Colin, the guy who was with us today, at our, he's now like he's a he's a fully fledged member of Rogue. He's he's essential to what we do. But he he came to me a couple of years ago at what's called Small Press Day. It's a one day event in in Dublin, and um, that actually happens in the UK as well, where small press creators come and they sell their wares and get their word out there. But Colin came to me and says, "Look, I have six issues of a book I want to get released. How do I do it?" And we literally talked him through and got him to print. Mm. That's what we've done. But we. We don't take anything from that. We basically say, well, here's your platform, go do it. Right. We don't take any money off anyone. We don't charge people for our services. We say, we're just going to show you how to make a book. And we'll give you the knowledge. And then you can go. Teach people how to fish. Yeah, pretty much. And exactly. uh, pretty much what it is, you know what is what we do. Because we've done it ourselves. We've, like, uh, um, I gave you a copy of my first book yeah. earlier on today. We're, the three of us are working on a new book. It's going to be out in November. Kev has got a, a plethora of, of books that he's worked on. And like, at this stage. Yeah. At this stage. And like, it's it's growing exponentially. So yeah, to, to go from a small... We're, and we're still quite small in the grand scheme of things for what we do. Well, Pubcast is the same. We started, started off with two guys in a pub having a conversation. Yeah. And now we get close to, I guess, something monthly, about 20,000 downloads of a podcast that a bunch of Irish people sit in a bar and drink and talk shit because that's all we do is talk, talk shit talk shit about talk comics shit. and movies and TV yeah. and drag race drag race what everyone's talking about nowadays you know. I, can't, I you know. occasionally crash it for the crack yeah like, and we welcome mm-hmm. anyone you know everyone and anyone comes along and just enjoys has a bit of fun and oh, that's it funny. so that's what gravitated me I, I, I've, I've always been a fan of yourself and Nolan but to see you guys kind of take the leap into creating your own content mm was quite refreshing thanks man you know and it's but it's a lot of people are doing that a lot of people in like say voice actors or people that have something that they love but they're sharing with other people like the critical role group like they're they yeah yeah like the small group of people you may have they're heard doing of something small, small they do something small but that's that's grown so big as well and it started in their kitchen yeah started by them playing hey you want to play D&D in our kitchen sure why not and talk about a perfect storm. Yeah. Just like yeah. this led to this, led to this, led to this, which you can interpret as serendipity as well. But you you said something that um, uh, Ornakian, 
Oh, you, uh, I'm pointing, I'm thumbing to, to Dara. When you said, you, when you first heard that we were going to do something online, you're like, you know, let's play, and you kind of cringed. Um, and so many people that have told us, like, well, well, what you need to do is is be playing, you know, the games that are out right now. You need to be doing Fortnite. Uh, and I was like, I, I hear you, and I know what you mean by that. Um, it's not a let's play. No, no. It's really not, and that's not what we want to do. And if we wanted to, like, instantly make money, who wouldn't want to see Nolan Moore playing Fortnite? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, what we want to do instead is speak to the gamer as opposed to the game. And by speaking to the gamer, it's like, you know those conversations that you've had? I don't know, like me, I've had some really, really meaningful conversations while getting headshots by Call of Duty. We do playing The Division. We play yeah. The Division together. Uh, the Division 2 at the moment. And we just talk about the most Life. random shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like this kind of fades into the background. And then what? it's just what's going on with you right now. Because especially as fathers. Yeah. As people who have jobs. People who have editors of, of comic books. You're like... I go to this to just unwind, and I just don't want to think for a second. I want to escape, and I want to just do something. Here. If I get to do that with my friends, I don't. What the fuck? Am I gonna go to a bar? Right? I mean, obviously, we're at a bar right we're now. We're at a bar right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. But I mean, uh, my normal Thursday or is not like oh, I'm gonna go out drinking with my friends. Like, no, man, I got responsibilities. Yeah, are you gonna be at home? I gotta take care of a family. I have to take. I've got diapers to change or whatever. But after everybody goes to bed, if I can jump online and play Red Dead yeah. with my buddies real quick and go, what's going on with you? So I fuck in my day, dude. You wouldn't believe it. Or people move and it's this community that you find through gaming. I'm like, that's what I want to tap into. Yeah. That's what the show becomes. It's never scripted. There's never a, well, today we're going to talk about them. There's no topic. It's literally like... And, a lot of times I'm like, oh shit, cool, we're gonna play Crash, you know, uh, yeah. Crash Racing or whatever, or Crash Bandicoot Racing, um, or Crash Bandicoot. Um, and then Noel's like, what are we playing? <laughs> like, Jesus, dude, uh, what do these buttons do? Um, or play Robocop. And then from there we get into, let's talk about porn and let's talk about. Cause, yeah, because I'll be honest, right? I love that you play the games and I, 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 I have had when you first started doing it it was the classics that I grew up with because we're roughly not too far from right. the same age so it's the same games that I grew up playing same consoles a whole lot right. but when it turned it started to just naturally turn into you guys just having conversations about your childhood about and about you growing up in in Texas about like I didn't have this console I had to go to my mate's house I had I didn't have the, I had to run to an arcade once a week and do this and just and it was like sitting there going shit that's what I have to do as well and right. it's the identifying with those stories yeah. but it's you you turn up to watch the gameplay but you stay for the stories yeah. and I think you hit the record in this week's. Um, this week's episode of Crash Bandicoot was like 18 minutes before we even got in the game. Before we even said, <laughs> oh, we're playing a game. Because it's just a conversation of, of just about random shit and about music and about all sorts of stuff. And that's what people tune in for. The now original, that's what people tune in for. The original, not pitch, but when we first started, I was like, well, what if we got you on the couch and you guys just did voices over the games? And like, we'd, you'd be playing Mario, and instead of Mario's 
voice, it would be Nolan giving him like a, a funny voice. That was the original, like, what if we did this? Yeah. I'm like, it can't be that. That is like funny for 30 seconds, yeah. 60 seconds, maybe. Where do we, where's really quick? But if I can talk about, and then it was like, well, let's talk about the history of games. I'm like, yeah, that's, nobody wants to watch Wikipedia, the YouTube channel. <laughs> but if I can talk about what I was doing yeah. in 1988 yeah. when NARC came out. Spoiler, we played NARC. As you spoil it, there's Robocop and NARC is coming down the pipe. Those are the two episodes that are coming down the pipe for the next two weeks. If I can talk about what I was doing with the, oh my God, I completely forgot about the fact that that's where I was and oh my god I was this is the car that I had or this yeah. is the girl that I was dating or I forgot that that was the year that my parents did this when it becomes that or Nolan taking a shit in someone's house totally forgot about and it, it was like nine. Oh, he was eight he was eight it was eight he dropped the deuce everybody knew he was eight <laughs> getting humped by a dog like, yeah as a paper boy eight years old yeah it's all of that and there's so many times when I feel like I'm telling a story like, oh my god, I had forgotten about what had happened in my own life, and now I'm looking at that same experience as a as a different person. Yeah. I'm going, how do I, how do I actually feel about that moment? How do I feel about the fact that my dad told me to wash my mouth out with soap? The fuck kind of parenting is that? What? <laughs> And, oh, by the way, the only soap that's in there is liquid soap, which is toxic. What are you doing to me? How is that parenting? Why, where did you learn that? Why, are you, why is it the way you want to communicate to me right now? Yeah. First of all, I can get it the whole... It was literally saying, for saying the word butt. Like, bottom, butt. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's crazy. What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? <laughs> this is black earth. It's just Heathen. It's the chorus in between. Have you had Guinness? This is some. Don't you? Do you dare. I'm just saying. Some people do it. Some people drink a Guinness with some blackcurrant in it. Some people do. Is Not everyone. The, is this the Irish car bomb? No, no. Irish car bomb is a completely different story altogether. No, it's literally like a little measure of diluted blackcurrant. Yeah, just like a, like a of of cordial just in the top of your Guinness. It makes it sweeter. No, it's good enough. It is. I used to hate Guinness. Um, Why? Because you were drinking, drinking it, it in the States and then you came here and went, oh, that's what Guinness tastes like. Well, you're still drinking it in the States. Yes, though. I do, but I also do the cans which come straight from St. James Gate. Okay. So, okay. uh, with the widget. With the widget. Bottles, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the, the, the bottles are like old school stuff. Like it's right. old it's the stuff. XX stuff. Yeah, the XX stuff. And the head may not be the same. Isn't no. the thing as well, though, isn't it? Obviously, Guinness is when it's. Okay, the pipe stuff. Is it nitrogen or whatever they use? Yeah, they use, they use the widget in the cans. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the bar. Well. In the bar. It's different to beer. Yeah. And not everybody does this, which is why some pints get us taste off. But it's like the distance to the top as well. In some American pubs. Yeah, yeah. Because the cans exactly. are downstairs. Okay, yeah. The distance is a thing as well. I also didn't realize the frequency of use. Yeah, if it's it, like it sits in the pipes. If it sits there, then it's just kind of, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So in a bar that's like, we pull Guinness all day long, you're going to get a better pipe. Generally in yes. Dublin, you're going to find that. No problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. all right, like, you're in the right spot. Isn't there like a top ten of, like, best pipes in Dublin? There is, but you don't, you don't want to go with the BuzzFeed one. You want to no, go, no, 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 no. Instagram, Agent Point, Angels in Point or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Hogan's, not Hogan's, Grogan's, The Long Haul, 
Four Provinces, I think, is pretty cool. Blue Light. Beautiful. The Blue Light, really? Beautiful. Yeah, he was given like 8 out of 10. Wow. It's not bad. Like, I mean, you, you'd be rare to find a bad point of Guinness in most Dublin pubs. Um, the worst point of Guinness I ever got served in a pub in Dublin, the place got actually got torn down afterwards. Not because of the point, no, but it, it just got torn down. It was a punk bar. Uh, on the keys. So they didn't give a shit. Oh, they didn't no. give a shit. It was like, it was probably <laughs> like, just. Yeah, but it had like it actually had a piece of wood floating in the top of it. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Is you had the bar. There's, there's a piece the of the there's a piece of the bar for you to go with your point. Good luck to you. Have, have a good have a good. And now you also got like chlamydia. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's pub. It's a great girl. Yeah. So. Um, I wanted to ask though, you since and I've seen this happen uh, early on with Nolan and yourself. When when you became a dad, Nolan was giving you nuggets of advice on 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 tape where we could see it. But did you sit down? Look, you seem to have grown a bromance that's unreal. <laughs> did he sit you down and go? Let me tell you, like, because he seems to be he comes across as a, as a pretty solid dad. His his sons seem to be pretty solid guys. First of all, his sons are amazing. Cooper is one of my favorite hands. Uh, at 19, he knows more. He's, just, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good man. He's a really good man. Uh, Jarrett, I've watched grow from... He's a little punk kid. <laughs> to now, he's like an amazing athlete with an incredible work ethic. Um, that's insightful, kind, inquisitive, and that is reflective of the parenting that they've been, both been given. Nolan works. There's nothing more important to him than his family. Nothing. Um, sometimes to the detriment of a lot of other things in his life. Um, Nolan is never the person of who's going to sit down and go. Let me give you some advice. In private, Nolan will tell me his opinion on things. Um, but Nolan and I's relationship has become truly fraternal in the sense that we get on each other's nerves. Yeah. Um, we we had like, and every time we sit and have like, hey, yo, we we need to talk, man. Always on the other side of it, we're better for it. Like. In London, we had like, I was like, yo, we need to talk, bro. Like, we, you and I are like, we need, we need to hash some shit out. Wow. And that is the sign of Stanley Tobiaski, who played uh, Ned Ryerson on Groundhog Day, was interviewed once. And they were saying, I had to be so much. Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, oh my gosh, what a fun movie to be in. Like, it was terrible, horrible. Everybody was that always dude, that dude's a solid character actor. He's full on. Stanley Tobiaski. Yeah. Oh he's my a god. Full on dude. character actor. Uh, Sammy Jenkins, man from Memento. He's awesome. Such a good dude. Uh, uh, sidebar as a tangent, um, which is very on brand for me. It's very on brand for this podcast. So it's fine. Uh, Stanley's doing a movie in in New Mexico. I'm doing a movie at the same time in New Mexico, and. Everybody met up at this, as it, it was called Cowgirls. Um, there's this great lesbian bar in Santa Fe that everybody went to on Tuesday night because they had great karaoke. So. We do like a karaoke. Yes, um, yeah. Awesome bar. Awesome bar. So we were in there and 
I signed up for karaoke and, and Tobiaski was there and just a whole bunch of other people were there. And Stan Stanley's from uh, same part of Texas that I'm from. And I was like, we started talking about that. Went to the same college as my dad. Is it crazy? And so I was like, I'm going to do karaoke. You should stick around. He goes, I'll stick around to see you sing. I go up at like midnight or something. It was like two hours after we talked. And Stanley's just over there on the side. I sing. He goes, I'm like, dude, thank you so much for sticking around. I was like, I've got to get out of here. I have a 5 a.m. call. And I'm like, you should have been gone long. He was like, I told you I'd stay. And so I stayed. I was like, oh my God. Nice guy in the world. But he talks about on the set of Groundhog Day. What did you sing? Huh? What did you sing? I think I sang uh, Kissing the Fool, George Michael. So let that speak to you however that speaks to you. Um, he said, uh, it wasn't a fun sh- set to be on, but where there is contention, there is care. And that's what Nolan, Drew, PJ, and I all deal with. Is like There's a lot of times where we're going to butt heads because we creatively feel different ways about different things and typically when we argue it's because we're afraid of something it's always out of fear when we are like fuck it let's just go for it yeah we're never arguing because we're all just like you want to do that idea let's do it um but always out of those conversations we're always better on the other side and my desire is that we do that as transparently as possible so that people see that so that we're never just, hey, on yeah, yeah, for cameras, yeah. but it's like, man, you and I are like, we're going through some shit right now and let's do this together because if nothing else, if we can demonstrate that to our community and they go, oh, that's how I can go to my best friend and say I have a problem with what you did there, you said this. That's way more beneficial than just playing it up for the cameras and hoping people hit subscribe and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is mine, yeah? Is it ready? It's ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to get a point as well. Yeah, You're going to get... Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, I wanted to ask you this, and I didn't want to bring it up on the panel because you got so many questions about Last of Us. No. But thankfully nobody asked you about up-and-coming things. But going into... Coming off the first game, you're now a dad. Yeah. Obviously... Your outlook on that game would have changed if you were a dad and you made it. But going into the second one, like I don't, not asking for spoilers in any way, shape, or form. But your approach to actually making that game, how did that change overall? Shifted over the course of making it. Yeah. Um, I. I'm sure as an actor, as a professional, I would have found a way. I don't know if I could go back and do um, the Sarah scene now. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I physically could do it. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't imagine that. Do you, uh, I did, when we first when we first talked back in 2015. We talked about the character of Joe and how you approached it, and you said you had to get over yourself, and you kind of elaborated on that in your panel today. But I I wasn't. Uh, a parent at that point and I played The Last of Us and I finished it I revisited it, the game after I became a dad different situation it's so different like so different and it's again like I said the chemical difference in your brain when you become a parent it, you see the world a different way and I saw the game a completely different way Joel died that day 
and the guilt that he. God damn it! Why didn't why why not me? Yeah. Turns his body, carrying her. The first, his his natural instinct when that gun comes up is to turn his back. It wasn't fast enough. Yeah. That's it. It, it. it was a split second. So, I feel, this is not canon, Joel died that day. Well, that makes sense. And he's just been waiting for his body to catch up ever since. That's what allows him to do a lot of the things that he does. He's now disassociated himself with... There's no moral ambiguity. One of my favorite lines of the entire game is, not even a cinematic, Ellie asks him how, back there at the ambush, how did you know? He goes, because I've been on both sides. Yeah. I've been the one in the truck, and I've been the one ambushing the truck. With a girl in there. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Jesus, go nuts, man. I got just off that, right? But not in mind, what, in your opinion, do you, what, what got... What what made Joel keep going? Because obviously, like you said, he died that day. Was it just a need, was it just the instinctual need to survive, or was it was there even a little bit of something could go better, or something could happen? To me, to me, everything's gonna be my own personal. I have to completely overstate that. Um, there is a part of Joel. It struggles to take responsibility for it, otherwise he would have put the gun in his chin a long time. Um, you just don't do that. You, you you can't you can't kill yourself. No matter what, you can't kill yourself. Um, would be a personal credo, Joel. So if I rush headlong into a situation with the clickers, maybe they take me out. But me doing it that's what allows him to be so fearless it's just like yeah. there's a part of him that's hoping it's kind of like this is a bad example but it's kind of like Brad Pitt in I know Brad Pitt in an interview with a vampire yeah when he sits at the table and he opens his shirt up yeah you lack the courage of your convictions sir do it Got me, girl. It's that <laughs> moment. It's like I want, I need you to do this. You'd be doing me a favor. Please, please, please give me the sweet release of yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just, God damn it, I just can't die. I don't think there's a greater sense of purpose that's keeping him moving forward. I think it's just I only know one thing and that's just to breathe I only know one thing I think that there's so much that happened with his wife what's that story yeah yeah I just keep moving forward and I think that Joel had to learn to be a good dad and he feels like he's a terrible father like, could you imagine? I, I, I've looked at it, and me and my wife had this conversation, like, not even morbidly, but just, like, just thinking about it. When you think about single parents, yeah. how they do it. Because well, I couldn't do mind. it without my wife. Sure, you couldn't do it without Pam. No. Just, like, you wouldn't be able to. No. So, could you imagine having that trust upon you and then having it taken away and then so many years later having it trust upon you again? 
you're, when you've, in your own mind, yeah. failed miserably at it. Not only is it thrust upon you, but but then on your watch, under your guardianship, under your care, the absolute worst case scenario happened. Yeah. And you're gonna get a chance to do it again. I would reject that girl. I am not carrying that cargo. Yeah, yeah. Cargo. Yeah. But that whole final sequence in the first game in the hospital, the justification I felt playing that the second time around after becoming a dad to a young girl, I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. People ask me, I was like, he could have saved the world. And I said, yeah. he did. Yeah. He did save the world. Yeah. All that matters is that girl. Respect can fucking burn. Yeah. I saved my world. Yeah. And it's just the echo of the cradling and the running. It's intentional. Oh, of course, of course. Like I mean, it's it's there. Like I mean, it's 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 but not just still the lie. Yeah, there's still the lie, and there's still the fear of failure. Because it's not so much of this time I won't let a daughter die. It's this time I'll be a good dad. This time I'll turn faster. Yeah. Um. Speaking of morbid conversations, <laughs> uh, when Traveler was born, we sat down and, and uh, met with my business manager. And we're like, "All right, we everything changes now." Uh, this is actually before he was born; she was still pregnant. And I was like, first thing first, my father, his his profession was uh, early on. So, half of my life and then became an entrepreneur and started his own business but he was in the insurance business and so his job was to sell people life insurance and he would go in and make state this case of like number one thing you have to do to be able to provide for your family is you must have a life insurance policy what if something were to happen to you now the hypocrisy of that situation is that my father never had a life insurance policy wow he never had a plan for if he were to die and my father constantly traveled. There were so many things that he did, but he could sell the shit out of a policy. So I met with a business manager, like, number one, we have a life insurance policy. And I don't care what happens, this is, this is in place. And the day that we signed the policy, we got the email back from a business manager go, okay, policy's in, you know, it's in place, everything's intact. I looked at Pam and I was like, cool, we can die. Yeah, <laughs> and it was this beautiful thing of like, huh? If if something were to happen to me, something were to happen to Pam, or both of us, yeah, he's good. You have that conversation as a parent. You do. You yeah. have to say and it. It's it has to happen. Yeah, it's not like okay. Well, let's. Uh, it's so matter of fact. Hey, just real quick, I started riding horses. Is it covered if I get thrown from a horse and my neck breaks and I'm not as lucky as you know Clark Kent? But I <laughs> yeah. no, you're you're way worse than Christopher Reeve. Um, or I fly a lot. Am I covered under that? And you start going through the. I drive on the 405, and someone you know decides to take me out, and I go over a cliff. It's like, yeah, you're covered under that. Like, cool, I can die. It's like on that line of Fight Club. Everything eventually, when he's on the planes, like everything eventually dies down to zero. I'm like, Fight Club. He goes, uh, what's the line? He actually says, uh, the survival rate of everyone eventually drops to zero. Yeah. Right. Um, and when it's when it's that, when you remove yourself from the desire to be memorialized the desire to be remembered the desire to be important the desire to be liked 
and you just go, that's how, that's how it matters. Is he good? Yeah. Is she good? That's all that matters. They're playing elbow again. Then, then, but then it becomes okay. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is watching Black Panther and when he has that moment with his dad, he was like a father who is not prepared his son to be without him has failed as a father. I'm like, I have to make sure that Traveler's good. His son done. There's gonna come a time when I'm just not here. And when that happens, that means you're ready. Okay? Yeah. So, so know that if that happens, it's gonna suck. But it's, you're ready for it. That's all, and I want to be able to look at him in the eye and say that with honesty. That's my, that's now my mission. Um, I just have to be able to prepare him for that. Yeah, that's the proper job as a parent, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, do you have a lot of stuff you're looking forward to now coming down the pipeline? You've got way to bring it on. back up to the surface, Got Wayne. it. Woo! Got it. Got it. But uh, you, you you have to be because I mean you've got there's so much stuff for retro replay. Yourself and Nolan have got Avengers on the horizon. You're gonna be doing can't wait. That. Can't wait, dude. It's Bruce Banner playing Bruce Banner. I, I, I know, like obviously Travis has played Thor, Thor before. Laura's played Widow. Laura's played Widow, like, and then you have I can't like actually Nolan is as Tony Stark, pretty spot on. Nolan but if you were originally to tell me an Avengers, Avengers, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked Banner for you. Why would Neither I? would I. Yeah, I was like, Are whoa. You as well? No. no. So I don't know. Fred Haddish. No. They're not gonna get you to growl. Thank God, no. Save my voice. Um, there's some mocap for Hulk that I did. Um, you ain't leave the shit out of it, did you? You ain't leave the mocap for his one, so yeah. It was awesome. Uh, there were just some certain scenes that, were, I mean, obviously there's things that I can't do. We bring in a stunt player for that, and they really sell that. And the guy that we had uh, was a guy named Hawk, and he was huge. Um, and then there was other stuff that were like, I really need to see the banner in Hulk. Yeah. Uh, so we, we would swap out. So it's it's this is the thing that I love about making a video game is that it's so incredibly collaborative. It is the most beautiful picture of this person's skill informs this person's skill, and everybody touches it. And every, it's a messy, messy fingerprint laden thing. Um, and my job is to just do this one part so that this person can do, and you can do your job, and you can do your job, and you can do your job. Um, uh, yeah, I, the the reason why I was Banner was the the writer uh, was also the DP. Sean was the DP on Last of Us, and now he's did this and he wrote this and he was like, "I want you to play Banner." I'm like, "No, dude, I do Hawkeye, I do Loki." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I want you to play Banner." I'm like, "All right, let's do this." Um, will people accept me as as Banner? And the second I started thinking about that, I realized it was like, I'm not thinking about the character, man. There's there's this dude that exists behind this one-dimensional person of myself. And so I just started digging into the scenes, and they're really, really good. He wrote the hell out of this game. So yeah, we have Avengers that's coming out, I think it's in May 2020. Yeah. Um, and then we have Death Stranding that's coming out in September. Um, yeah. Fucking Kojima, what the fuck? Jeez, man. Yep, everybody wants to know what the game's about. I'm like, yep. It's a Kojima game. Come on, for fuck's sake. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want to just discover that shit. I I will say this. If if he does, if he pulls off what he wants to, 
it'll change the way that we play games. Yeah. Wasn't that what Kojima does, though? He tries to. Yeah. And I think that there's sometimes, like... Metal Gear, that last Metal Gear game. Oh, my gosh. Phantom Pain? Oh, my gosh. I love Phantom Pain. Okay. I adored Yeah. It, but you see... What I saw there was was Kojima trying to reach yes. beyond the bounds of Konami. Yes. Um, what he wanted to do with PT. Yeah. Um, I still have my download on my PS4. Never lose it. Da- and it's oh, right next so to Tales of the Borderlands. Gosh. Right there. Rest in peace. No. Fuck it. So oh, I, I downloaded all the Telltale games. I've got the Batman series waiting to go. I've got Wolf Among Us. I got. They're never getting deleted off that hard drive. If I have to buy a new PlayStation, I will. They are. That's my Telltale's PlayStation. Dude. Fuck them. That's all I'm I a huge Metal Gear fan, right? Yeah. I went through the whole. I grew up with it, and I read the comic books and I did all that stuff as well. With it. And Ocelot has very unique body language. No, huh. I know. No, I know, I know that you guys did mocap, right? We did, yeah. uh, and it's interesting that you pick up on that because I agree with you. Mm. Depending upon the iteration, too, is the, uh, in terms of the body language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a swagger to him at some times, yeah. and there's a swish to him at some times, sure. you know what I mean? Sure. Um, they did all of the mocap in Japan, and then brought us in. What much to the chagrin of, of Kiefer, when he came in for his session, thought it was just a VO session, and they were like, all right, so we're gonna put these dots in your face, he goes, get that pen away from me. You can actually see his reaction in real time. Um, th- you know, to his credit though, he came in and clocked the room and understood what the gig was, walked out, the studio was at the corner of uh, Hollywood and La Brea, and smoked probably half a pack of cigarettes, and then came back in and goes, let's go to work. And crushed it. Yeah, Whatever you want to say about his performance, yeah, that guy brought it. Like he came in and one hundred percent owned yeah, all of it, and got up at the Game Awards and said, "I understand what this character means to this community, and I want you to know I get it and love him too. I just want to do something that makes you guys proud." I was like, "All day, man." Yeah, and he was right, right in front of me. This is a funny moment. He sits down and I was like, dude, wonderful speech. I was like, I was your ocelot. And I had to get up and go and uh, uh, present the next award. And he was like, oh, cool, man. And then, like, he didn't track what I said. I was like, ah, that's kind of a dick. And so I kind of I get up and I had this face and I walk around and Pam was walking next to me. She happened to look back and see and she sees Keeper like, register what I said and like get up and like offer his hand to me but all he saw was me having this face like a shit face walking away and she was just like no yeah. like Kiefer didn't understand who you were and I was like damn it that was the only moment that we ever had and no all, way all he sees me is going <laughs> to him fantastic great guy um so we were brought in after the fact I, sure. it, it was me neck up and I wish that I had the opportunity to have done what we did on Death Stranding, which is full performance capture. Because you're Higgs on that, right? Yeah. yeah. I probably I was, get to say my name. That's Because cool. I was looking at the character design of it. Because I'm an illustrator, so... Kev is all about character design. So he crushed it, didn't he? Oh, man. It's, I, I, I've it's already gorgeous. seen people cosplaying, and I'm like, yeah, that's a, that, I, that's a great cosplay. Yeah, it is. And one, one thing I really like about the, the... Well, for me personally, what I look at is I look at the character design, I look at the body language and how it's, how it's done, because, I mean, in a, in a visual medium, that's half the battle. 
You know, I mean, I think sure. everybody, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people weren't as happy with uh, Metal Gear 5 as they were with 4 or 3 or 2 was because Metal Gear 5 was all based in body language. It was more in communication. Like, I mean, Ocelot had more dialogue than Snake. Sure. And then Quiet, obviously, and the other characters. But you look at, I mean, I, what, what I'm, the question I'm asking is, when you, obviously you said the neck up in your mocap with yeah. Phantom Pain. So from Phantom Pain to Death Stranding, I'm not going to ask you anything specific, but what I would like to know is, did you feel that your range expanded from just dialogue into body language more pronounced in Death Stranding? Well, for sure, because sure. the mechanics by which we're capturing that performance, I was offered way more. Great. Uh, I'm locked on Phantom Pain. I'm like, ah, I wouldn't have done... I wouldn't have looked that way in that direction, but because the, I, even some of the timing, because we don't, our, our, we don't speak independently of our body, right? Yes. Our body punctuates what They're we say. Exactly right. what you're doing yeah. right now. So I, I have to hit certain things. Yes. Um, and I'm like, well, that locks me to that choice. Mm -hmm. um, and all I can do is try to infuse my performance into that specific moment. With Death Stranding, it was like, go. There was many times when it was like, that was the only tape we got. Kojima liked what he got. I was like, no shit. He was like, that's it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Because you could sit and go on and on. But then you look at the mind of a director and goes, that's all I needed. Yeah, what it's, I, I'm, it's I'm not going to put multiple sets or multiple scenes in this. I just need one take of this. And what you just gave me was exactly what it And then others where he was like, now that I see this, let me change this, I want to do this, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. He was really open to ideas from Norman especially. And Norman's coming at it from a, from a different perspective. Kojima's coming at it from two perspectives. He's coming at it as a game director that wants to make film. Norman's coming at it from a film perspective, and I'm coming at it from a game perspective. Sure. I've done TV and film, but let's be honest, it's really my forte is really coming from a game. So you get these three people that are kind of hitting it from all different languages and try to find that common tongue from among the third of them. Um, this sounds like the perfect melding of all the mediums, but it's a really Kojima, is. so it always is. Yeah. It's like, I it, think he always be, does that. Yeah, I, I think this for sure will be the culmination of what Kojima's wanted to do yeah. with with this cinematic kind of thing within the it's game. It's not tied down by anyone. I mean, what I, what I kind of What I look at it from the perspective... From, from where I'm sitting, right, what I, what I enjoy about what's happening with Death Stranding in particular is that you've got, as you say, an, a, a melding, right, of, yeah. of, because, I mean, not for nothing, you've made a hell of a name for yourself in your work. I mean, that, speaking honestly, as a fan of your work and as a fan of the games that you've been a part of, I mean, I remember Bioshock. I remember playing Bioshock at the very, very beginning, thinking it was endearing from top to bottom. And your performance in that was absolutely excellent. Okay, and then going all the way to Metal Gear Solid Five, and now to Death Stranding, and The Last of Us, of course. What I found with, or what I find with Death Stranding is you've got Kojima, who's made the name for himself as the the art director, or the, the like the artistic director of these massive perceptions and philosophical arguments put on display for people to experience their themselves. Like in Phantom Pain, you feel Phantom Pain yeah. when you play it. And so I know that's trending, obviously more will be revealed when it's out, but he's going for something. But what I love is how he's done it. He's made his name as the, I guess you could say, the premium standard of directorial 
in, in video games and he's brought and you've got um, Guillermo del Toro yeah. right, involved too who is exceptional in film right and you've got Norman his, his art direction as well is like yeah. but then you've got Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen who are very massively established in film and as you've said you've done that as well but you're coming out from the gaming perspective so I would consider from my own perspective and this is my own opinion I would say in terms of Reedus where he's at with say The Walking Dead and his acting career in, in TV I would feel you would be parallel in gaming huh. and, and like Guillermo and Hideo they're also parallel to each other in terms of their perception of things and in terms of what they're willing to give to their projects. That's why I think Death Stranding would almost become a bridge between the various forms of media. Well, no, that's just my own view of it, obviously. Bridge would be very on brand for what Death Stranding is trying to accomplish. Um, I believe that games are the culmination and the evolution of storytelling. Great. Uh, they're not we're not trying to chase after TV and film at all yeah we, we, we surpassed TV and film long ago agree because TV film books as my, I'm, I'm a reader I, I don't believe that print is dead I still love my trades even. fucking A me too um, they, they can't give you they're, they're still a static medium and I had a, a comic book artist tell me that there's like you need to understand that comics are a static medium it's like what a great challenge as a creator. We should have that conversation you know all day I mean? with this group. Jesus. <laughs> but when I play a game, there's a separate relationship. I, as a creator, have to own, admit, and empower the player to have agency in my story. Otherwise, I'm just sitting back and watching something. Sure. And you're making a TV show. Sure. That every once in a while you have a quick time event. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because Metal Gear Solid Five embodied that. It really did embody that in my opinion. Because Ocelot's character in Metal Gear Solid, for me personally, I've always found him to be the catalyst character. Oh, interesting. Okay, sometimes he is. Because Ocelot is the only character three. that's... He's, well, he's played all three sides of the fence, right? Sure. Ocelot's always playing his own game. Sure. Even though he's always in the story, he was allied to Big Boss, the real Big Boss. But he himself was always playing for himself. You know, Metal Gear Solid 4, it ends with him. Yeah. Right? But what I loved about the way you delivered the role of Ocelot was it was respectful number one to the previous yes. character that had been so well established but you added a flair to it that that I guess I mean when I played it anyway whenever I came to a scene where Big Boss was looking to Ocelot for counsel it as you say imbued you the player to go on brazenly and that's something that I really really enjoyed about that version of the game versus the other installments of Metal Gear Solid and I think that with the amount of real, I guess, investment, because Metal Gear Solid 5 is all about language. The whole story is about language and how you can control society with language. Right. So it made sense that Kojima would go for the likes of yourself and Kiefer Sutherland, who have this huge range, that you can now deliver the language a different way than was previously there. And so when I was cool. playing the game, it basically sums up exactly what you just said, in that you're giving the agency and you're giving this, this ability to imbue the, the player to now experience the story on a new level. And that's what I think is 
huge about the gaming industry today is that you're right, it is going to bring it to the next level and it's going to surpass even people's notion of video game versus movie. When people say, oh, they're making a movie out of a video game, I'm like, who cares? Why? Why would go yeah. backwards? Why would you do yeah. that? Who gives a shit? It yeah. already exists. Exactly. Except, no, except you can be in it. If somebody said, like, I want to do a book adaptation of a, of a movie, I'm like, well, that's cool because you can expound mm. upon... Like, when they said we're doing, uh, we're making The Road, I went, you're doing Cormac McCarthy's The Road? 80% of that book is, like, mental monologue. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all, like, what's happening in, inside of it. It's, it's narration. Yeah. How do you... One of my favorite lines in that book is, the man said that if the boy... Uh, the if the boy wasn't the word of God, then God never spoke. And I was like, that, how do you in any way convey, how do you film that shit? How do you film that shit? What's your shot for that? With yeah. Vigo Mortensen going, you know, boy, you're like the word of God. I mean, you, are, <laughs> you can't do that. But it's interesting, right? Because if you look at, if you look at movies made for video games, they generally suck. Generally, except for Assassin's Creed, which was 100% better than the games. Yeah, I am. I, I enjoyed the Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> you know what? I, I did, did not. Film. Three times I tried to get through that on a plane where you're like, fuck it, I'll watch anything on a plane. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I watched that. I would have rather have looked at the back of the seat <laughs> yeah. than watched. Yeah. But you see, I'm a huge Hitman fan, and that Hitman movie with Timothy <gasps> Oliphant. I love Timothy Oliphant, but it was. Hang on a second, you decry Assassin's Creed, but you thought the Hitman film was good. What the fuck are you talking about? Name one bad thing about that movie. I, oh no! I'm, I'm, look, look, <laughs> as someone outside the franchise, film. as someone outside the franchise, you're talking about the the one with uh, Timothy Oliphant, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Nepper. I, I was yeah. like, okay. It was spot on. It was spot on. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> He's gonna punch Which, me in by the second. way, we can talk about how not great the Hitman games are, but that's a separate conversation. Well, that's why they had to serialize the hey, motherfuckers. I enjoyed, get ready for this blasphemy, I enjoyed the first Tomb Raider movie. Come at me, bro. Yeah, I liked it. I was fun. I was like, I completely well, I love the Resident Evil as well. I love the Resident Evil. With Sean Bean? No, that's that Silent Hill. Oh, Silent Hill. No, with Mila Jovovich. Oh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great They're schlocky. They're fun. series. I'll put my hand up and say, I enjoyed the World of Warcraft movie. Oh, get the fuck out of that. The point I'm trying to make, I, right? No, 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 no. Before you make your point, point, how dare you, sir? I play Gold Dan, right? I can, I play that character. They get the person in there like, oh, we can't actually shoot you practically. We I got know. a mocap. He was like, motherfucker, that's like my bag. It's the reason why I just fucking said that is to get that reaction. But, uh, you know, <laughs> He's left the table. But, uh, the point I want to make is that, you know, normally when they make um, a movie out of a video game, it yeah. generally sucks. Oh, it's choice. Right? Oh, yeah. But when you make a video game, out of a movie it's usually pretty fucking good right it's usually pretty damn good expanding the story as you said exactly yeah. but you look at um, you look at right, the, the first Wolverine movie Wolverine Origins right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do we have to look at it but what I'm, oh, no we don't <laughs> no, no god no right? you look at the, the only redeeming factor of that movie right is the opening sequence with Hugh Jackman and Lee Schreiber going through all the wars yes where the fuck's that movie where the fuck is that movie right but <laughs> But the Wolverine Origins game was cracking. That's a fucking. I have that game for the GameCube. It's cracking. Belter. It's brilliant. That game is a straight up. It's like a metal concert fist pumping. That's it what is. that game is. Right? The moves that Wolverine pulls off in that game. Are and the body horror, the damage. Hold on. Like, like it's one of the most visceral games you'll ever see. Oh, he rips people to shreds. Right? Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Video Man. game. 
video games cracking. Great. Narrated by Bruce Campbell. It is, yeah. I didn't, I didn't play it. I spectated a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and even even then, as a as a non-player, I was like, this game is awesome. I will watch the shit out of that. Yeah. The Spider-Man Two game was fantastic, <laughs> and they aped it for the new Spider-Man game. They sure which, did. Which actually, they, they even claim. they even got the guy who programmed the web swinging for the second game to yeah. play it. And they actually got to watch his reaction to it, and it was really sweet. It was actually really, really cool. He was like, "Ah, it's nice to see someone actually paid attention." Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I did this 18 years ago." Yeah, because I, I remember the first time I plugged in the new Spider-Man game, and I played it. it was like everyone was was like going batshit crazy for this game. And I turned it on and was playing. It I was like, "This is." This is the fucking Spider-Man 2 game. Yeah. It's the same game. It is, yeah. But like loads of extra shit and nods of wings. But like a, a good story, but it's the same fucking game. It's awesome. But it's it, yeah, it's a great awesome. game. It's but really it's awesome. Like, but that's what the point I'm making is that why are we so hung up about I mean, they recently announced the Division movie. Yeah. Right? With Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain. And it's like, yeah, I'll watch it. But the Division is so fucking dense. Yeah. There's no way. You're just going to give us a little taste. They're going to do the virus storyline. That's it. That's it. Yeah, they're going to do the opener and that'll be that. Yeah. Right? And we'll get a whole movie of that crack. But like, I don't know. I'm like, I would love a seven video game. Are you just oh looking at serial killers? Yeah. Or a serial killer? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Look at a VR fucking 7. Oh, VR 7. Oh, that would fuck you up though. Yeah, the yeah. Fuck yeah. Would. But that's the point of 7. It's yeah. to fuck you up. And then, right, I mean, even there, a lot of like, a lot of people complain about the adaption from the comic to the movie, but the Constantine movie. The Keanu Reeves yeah. right? Love that it's fucking guilty movie. Guilty pleasure for me. There's no such thing. No, you're right. It's very true. Well, because it's Keanu. A, it's fucking Keanu. Well, this is the thing, and he can do nothing wrong, to be honest. And also, Rachel voice. Um, yeah. But so many elements of that movie are great. I know the true Constantine fans are like, it's not Constantine. All ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't myself but with that is, ten. Fair enough. But it is it is incredibly entertaining, and parts of that movie are unreal. Yeah, they are. But they got the they got the lore and the kind of Lovecraftian vibe. They did. Yeah, they got that. If, if yeah, only Keanu could do a Liverpoolian accent, we'd be alright. Yeah, exactly. No, I. I don't know why they thought he could he he could do it. I'd pay a terrible. Did he, pro- did he produce it some way? Because no. I mean, one thing about Keanu is he's a fan of everything. Sure. He's a fan of life. He's a fan of film. He's a fan of comics. He's a fan of everything. Sure. Right, and we're all a fan of Keanu. We I are. I, I haven't heard anyone say a bad thing about Keanu that isn't about his accent and dragon. It's funny. My ex-girlfriend said she met him and she thought he was an asshole, and I said, but "You're a cunt, though." <laughs> <laughs> so of course you wouldn't like him. You're the one person. Yeah. You're that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're that. You're, person. you're the anomaly. She's probably lying anyway. Yeah, um, you're the anomaly in, in the whole equation of Keanu. But like, I don't, I don't know that that Constantine movie. I only rewatched it recently, and. I'd play a video game of that all fucking day. There like. is a video game of that. Is there? PS2. There's a really? constant video well, game. There was, wasn't PS2. there? Yeah, there was. So yeah, Egg, eggs on my face. But I'd play the shit out of that. I'm sure. Don't I don't know that. what it was like. I couldn't yeah. tell you what it was like. But this is back in the day when video game adaptions of of, of movies were so so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like nowadays. Was crap, yeah. yeah, like nowadays, if you get a video game adaption of a film, it's gonna be fairly great. They're gonna pump a bit of cash into it. Well, I think that's what the new Star Wars is gonna be. You reckon? I think so, because, I mean, I know the. I'm not a Star Wars fan by any stretch of the imagination. I like the, the villain design, the, the design of the Sith. I think they're cool. But I could give two fucks. I remember as a kid watching the original trilogy, my uncles and my dad. Not my dad, my dad never gave a fuck, but the, my uncles being like, isn't this the best thing ever? And I was like, 
Yeah. You know, I just didn't care, and I, I didn't. It didn't bother me. But I do like when I when I play a Star Wars game. I've played them all, and I love the Force Awakens or not, not the, the Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed games. Yeah. yeah. I I enjoyed the shit out of those and because because yeah, they do. He's great. So yeah, and he's yeah. great. He's awesome. And what I enjoyed about that game was it, it puts you in the the feet of yeah. a Jedi or a Sith, whatever yeah. you want to be. Yeah. It puts you in that position, whereas all the rest of them kind of forced you to be something or other. Yeah. Right? It was I one know, or the other. I know it contradicts the point I just made about movies because the Phantom Menace game was actually pretty good, even though it looked like a bag of shit. Was it? I can't remember. The Phantom Menace game was actually really good. I played it as a very young kid and I really enjoyed it, right? And it holds up. It's it's a PS1 game. It's a PS1 game, I remember that, yeah. But what I liked about the the new trailer, like I love Respawn, I'm a Respawn Mark, because Titanfall 2 is life to me. Fucking Titanfall 2 is amazing. But looking at the trailer of the Fallen Order, I was like, I'd play the shit out of that. It's I'd an play. EA game, I'll say that again. But everybody says that, but guess what? EA games are pretty fucking good. I don't care what anyone says. Some of them are. Well, a Respawn game is good. That's what I'm saying, but yeah. I mean, putting the EA thing, I mean, Battlefield 5 is fucking excellent. Battlefield 5 is excellent. You've always, yeah, you've always... Champion right. Battlefield for and like, sure. one of the most beloved games ever made, Skate, is EA. Skate, yeah, it's a classic. You know, so that whole mantra of oh, it's an EA game. What? No, because Battlefield. Well, it's, Battlefield, it's the whole, it's the whole loot box thing. That's what people have well, a thing. That's is. Battlefield. Oh God, God. we're not getting on this. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're tying up a point. We're tying up no, a no, point. No, what I'm saying is that you know people people brushed EA with that crap. Yeah. With uh, one bad mistake with the loot box scenario, but EA themselves. Well, uh, Apex Legends kicking ass. It does, yeah, it's good. But let's respawn, respawn all the way. Right, folks, we're going to wrap it up because we're going to go enjoy our points and have a bit of crack. Uh, thank you so, so much for listening to this. Troy, thank you so, so much for agreeing to just have pleasure, a chat, man. have a beer. Time yeah, man. Uh, uh, Tina, thank you. You're fantastic. Just chilling. Uh, Dara, Dara, nice guy. <laughs> uh, Kev, Jill, Whopper as always. Uh, folks, this has been Pubcast. Uh, until next time, have a good one. Take a handy. Later, motherfuckers. Bye.